Good morning. Welcome to Sharing the Victory on WAJR, part of our Sunday morning programming as uh, we're getting the word right out of the Bible from WVUFCA campus director Kirby Myers. And Kirby is with us on this Sunday morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kyle. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Inside of a week to pit. You've got, uh, the, I guess, the bands back together. We're there. Let's go. Yeah. So um, it's been uh, huddles and it's been... Uh, stewardship with the coaches and the athletes. Yeah, doing some uh, some chapel services on Sundays. You know, with a Thursday game night, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday becomes a work day or practice day. <laughs> and so a little me, different this fall, but it's good. Sunday is, let's see, Sunday would be uh, Tuesday. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah that's I, a little confusing. It is. The coaches, <laughs> like, they, they... They get it. They get it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so Sunday is more like Tuesday this week. So, but it's good in a sense that uh, that you get to work with them. Yes, it is. Very All thankful. Right. All right, let's uh, let's jump in. All right. Well, good morning to you. We continue what uh, I've been teaching with the the men on Sunday afternoons with WVU football, uh, talking through what is the Lord's Prayer. And so, this is part three of that series. And if you were listening. Last week, we talked about, first of all, the recipient. When we pray, we say, Our Father, we can come directly to God. We have access to the very throne room of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We can come to a holy God, but only because of Jesus, and it is through Jesus alone. Secondly, we talked about the residence, that part of the prayer that says, Our Father who art in heaven. And that is where God is. God is in heaven. It is the place where he dwells. He has always been there, and he will always be there. We talked about the fact that heaven is up. It's in another dimension. No man can get there apart from death and the return of Jesus Christ. But the good news is our prayers can get there, and they do. The Bible tells us that God hears us, and he answers us according to his will. Then thirdly, we looked at the reverence. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is probably the section of the Lord's Prayer that many people have no idea what they're saying when they say these words. But this is a command, and it is a command that God's name be regarded as holy, that God's name be glorified, and that God would be set apart in my life and in your life. So this is a prayer that desires God has first place in everything when you pray, hallowed be your name, a prayer that the Father has preeminence in all things. And so let's look back to the Lord's Prayer today and Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. If you have a Bible there, let me read that section for us again. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today we are going to look at the fourth component of the Lord's Prayer. We've looked at three so far, looking at, again, the recipient, the residence, and the reverence. Today we're going to look at the requests that are found here in the Lord's Prayer. And the request began at the end of verse 9, 
We've already seen one of those requests, just talked about that. Hallowed be your name. That is a request. And again, we are praying there, God, may your name be glorified, and God, may your name be treated as holy. So we have five more requests to look at. That will be six in total after covering one already. The first three petitions that we see here, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, have regard to God and his glory. The first three focus exclusively on God and his agenda for believers. We are to adore him. We are to worship him. And we are to submit to his will before we introduce any of our own personal petitions or requests. Now, this is easy to hear. It's easy for me to say right now, but it is much harder to do. I don't know if you're like me, but we want to get right to our needs. We want to get to our shopping list. We kind of want to say, uh, dear, dear Lord, Father, and then bam, give me, give me, give me. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. It was introduced to me many years ago at an FCA camp, actually, but having a pattern of prayer through the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. It is a great pattern for prayer, and it begins with God and His glory, and I think that's where our prayer should begin. And I will say this, that prayer begins with God and His glory and not with man and his needs. That's worthy of being repeated. Prayer begins with God and His glory and not with man and his needs. So we begin with adoration. If you think of this word acts as a pattern of prayer, acts, the letter A would be adoration. And so we begin with adoration where we are praising God for who he is. And then we move to confession, and that would be confession of sin, where we agree with God that our sin is against a holy God. And then we move to thanksgiving. We thank God for what he has done, being very specific for the blessings and the gifts that he has given us. And then we move to supplication. Finally, now that we have spent time in adoration and confession and thanksgiving, now we can come with our supplication where we are asking God for things. Another way to do this, I was introduced to this just a few years ago at an FCA college camp, but the word tacos. We all love tacos, right? Who doesn't? And But thinking about that as a pattern of prayer as well. Thanksgiving, adoration, confession. The O stands for others, and the S stands for self. So even in that pattern of prayer, we are praying for the needs of others before we even get to our own list of things that we are desiring from God. And I do want to remind you this morning that it is okay to ask for things. Philippians 4, 6 says, present your request to God. God wants to hear our requests, and he commands us to ask him. But I believe we are not to do that until we have first focused on him and his glory. Jesus gave us this prayer to us for a reason. It's a model, and it's very clear that God's interests come first. We've already observed one, hallowed be your name. Let's look now at the other five. First of all, we see here a prayer for God's program. In verse 10, Jesus says, your kingdom come. The Greek word here is basileia. 
Matthew speaks about the kingdom more than any other gospel writer. Uh, This book has a very Jewish flavor. It is written by a Jew, Matthew, written primarily to the Jews. John MacArthur says, The message of the book of Matthew centers on the theme of Jesus' kingship. Just as virtually every paragraph of the Gospel of John points to something of Christ's deity, so virtually every paragraph of Matthew's points to something of his kingship. The hope of the Jew is the Messianic kingdom, when Christ the Messiah will rule and reign from the throne of David here upon the earth, where all the covenant promises and blessings of the Old Testament promised to the nation of Israel will be fulfilled. And so the disciples understood this. They were awaiting the coming kingdom. They had heard Jesus preach and teach. They had seen him perform many miracles. They saw him at the end of his life betrayed, beaten, and crucified, and they saw his resurrected body after he raised from the dead. Jesus had told them that he was going away and that it was to their advantage that he go away because by doing so, he would be able to send them the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. But just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, they said to him, the disciples said to him, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel. And so the end times aspect to this request, your kingdom come, cannot be ignored. We should pray for the coming kingdom. But in a sense, through the ministry of Jesus, the kingdom of God has already come. In fact, John the Baptist, who preceded Jesus on, in ministry, said in Matthew 3, 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The progressive establishment of his kingdom and the final consummation of his kingdom should be the constant concern of all of us as his disciples. We should find ourselves praying for the building of God's kingdom and that his physical earthly kingdom would come soon. So the question today would be, do these thoughts have any part of our lives and our prayers? Well, they should for the glory of God. So hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Secondly, we see here a prayer for God's providence. A a prayer for God's providence. Again in verse 10, your will be done. God is sovereign, and I hope you know what it means that God is sovereign. He is in absolute control of all things. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Daniel 4.35, He does according to his will in the host of heaven. Friends, let me remind you today that God will have his way in all things. He ordains all things that come to pass, and there is not one maverick molecule outside of his sovereign control. God's will will prevail. As King Nebuchadnezzar said in the book of Daniel, no one can ward off his hand. Nevertheless, Jesus instructs us to pray here, your will be done. Well, why pray in this way? If we believe that God's will will ultimately be done, what are we praying when we pray this phrase? Well, first, we are praying that God's will would become our will. We pray, Father, your will be done, and I submit to your perfect will. 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so when I delight myself in the Lord, his desires become my desires. His thoughts become my thoughts and his will becomes my will. It is right to pray this way. The verb here is in the imperative. This too is a command. We are to pray that God's will be done. Jesus tells us to pray in such a way, and Jesus himself prayed in this way. Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prays, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In Matthew 26, 42, just three verses later, My Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. I've heard some say over the years that it is weakness to pray in the will of God or pray that God's will be done. Friends, it is not weakness to pray in this way. It is meekness to have gentleness, to pray in humility. And when we do this, it is a recognition that God knows best and always does what is right. Second, when we pray in this way, we are praying that his will prevail over all the earth as it does in heaven. Jesus commands us to pray this, and that is an indication that his will is not always done on earth. I think we all know that. Just turn on the news. We know that God's will is not always obeyed here on this sinful, fallen earth. Every time we disobey God, we are ignoring the will of God. Every time we fail to do what we are commanded to do, we fall short of his perfect will. I grew up in a Baptist church, and there was a a hymn that we sang often at the end of our services, and the song was called Have Thine Own Way. But in some ways, we have changed the words to that song, and we sing, at least in our minds or in our hearts, Have Mine Own Way. But in heaven, God's will is obeyed perfectly. All who live there live for God's glory, and God receives the glory and the honor that he alone deserves. So Jesus says, pray that God's will be done on earth in the same way or just as it is in heaven. And so we are praying, Lord, may your will be done in my life, in the life of my family, in our nation, in our world, in WVU-FCA, and in your church all over the world. So we see here a prayer for God's program, a prayer for God's providence, that his will be done. Thirdly, we see here a prayer for God's provision, a prayer for God's provision. Verse 11, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, we have prayed for God's glory. We have prayed that his name would be regarded as holy. We have prayed that his kingdom would come. We have prayed that his will would be done. Now we can begin to pray for our own needs. Lord, give me my daily bread. And here we are praying, Lord, take care of me. Lord, provide for me. We do not pray for God's provision to inform him of our needs. We know that the Father is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We saw in verse 8, 
for your father knows what you need before you ask him, right? So why would we pray this? Why would we pray, Lord, give me my daily bread if he already knows what we need? Well, first of all, simple answer, because he tells us to. This is his will that we pray in this way. Secondly, I think we pray in this way to keep us dependent on him, that we would remain on our knees, on our faces, calling out to God. Now, these next two verses uh, come from Solomon from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. He says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I want to say this again this morning. There is nothing wrong with praying for our own requests. Jesus tells us to ask the Father to give. Again, Philippians 4, 6, present your request to God. But again, we do so after we have adored God, after we have prayed that he would be glorified. God knows our needs before we even ask him. He calls us to tell him our needs in prayer, and he promises to meet our needs. Philippians is a great book. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 19, we read this, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What a great promise. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to keep his word? Friends, pray for God's provision. Pray that God would provide for you, and God promises that he will supply all of our needs, not all of our wants, but all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Fourthly here, we see a prayer for God's pardon. Verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Last week, if you were listening, I told you about the time that I visited a United Methodist Church in college, and it was the first time that I'd ever seen like the order of service printed out in the bulletin, and and we were going to be saying the Lord's Prayer that morning, and so uh, in the bulletin, they would either, either tell you, hey, today we're, we're going to pray the word debts or trespasses to give you a heads up so that you knew how to pray the Lord's Prayer when they would do that publicly. Forgive us our debts here is the literal translation of the Greek text. In fact, if you read in Luke 11, Luke 11, Jesus gives some instruction on prayer there. I believe this is a different occasion. But after Jesus had finished praying, we read in Luke 11, 1 to 4, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John, being John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. If you're here in Matthew 6, I want you to drop down to verses 14 to 15. Should be really close by as we're looking at verses 9 to 13. But in verse 14, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The word here is transgressions, sins, trespasses. This is what Jesus is speaking of in verse 12. Debts do not refer to money here. He is not saying that we owe him money and that if we give him lots of money, we will be forgiven. This is a reference to spiritual debts that are owed to God. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, and God requires payment for that debt, not in cash, but in human life. And we understand from the Gospels that Jesus paid the debt that you and I owed, for we owed a debt that we could never repay, and we see that Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. On the cross, Jesus cried out, It is finished. It's a single Greek word. It's, it's one Greek word that every believer in Christ should know. It's the word tetelestai. It is a word that was used in ancient times that was placed on receipts for taxes. When taxes were, were paid, this would be stamped on that receipt, meaning paid in full. Wow. Jesus here calls us to ask for forgiveness, to pray for God's pardon. And for those of us who are listening listening today who are in Christ, there was a time that we came to God, that we prayed for salvation. We called out to the Lord, and we repented of our sins, and we pleaded for God's forgiveness. And we were forgiven of all of our sins, all the sins that we would ever commit. And so we stand today in a state of forgiveness. Nevertheless, we continue to come to the Father praying for his pardon, calling for his cleansing, confessing that our sin has offended a holy God. We plead to the Father for continual pardon, requesting restoration of fellowship with a holy God, following the alienation that sin produces. And that forgiveness, that pardon, and that restoration is predicated on our having forgiven those who have sinned against us. As it says here, And forgive us our debts, Lord, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And as we see down in verse 15, which we will look at next time together, without this reconciliation on the human level, neither can we be reconciled to God. So we see a prayer for God's program, a prayer for God's providence, a prayer for God's provision, a prayer for God's pardon, and then fifthly today, we see a prayer for God's protection. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. This does not mean that God tempts his children. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James 1.3, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. I think this would be better translated, Lord, do not let us succumb to temptation, or do not abandon us to temptation. You and I give in to temptation. This is true. And that is periodically for some, it is often for others, not because we do not have an alternative. 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul says there, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. 
and God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But listen, but when you are tempted, whether that be later this afternoon or tomorrow morning or perhaps even now, Paul says he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Friends, we cannot blame temptation on God. We cannot blame succumbing to temptation on God. As James says again in, one, in verse, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. So this is a prayer for God's protection. It is a prayer of deliverance. Verse 13, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. We are praying that God would deliver us from the one who does tempt us to sin, who does tempt us to disobey God and live contrary to his will. So we are saying, God, protect me from him. Protect me from Satan, the one who hates me and the one who wishes only to destroy me. Well, how do we win this battle against Satan and his evil schemes, against the prince and power of the air? We know from Scripture that Satan is the father of lies, and he has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Let me tell you this today, that we cannot win over temptation, without a healthy intake of the Word of God. Psalm 19 is a psalm from David on the Word of God, and in that psalm he talks about the precepts and the commandments and the judgments of the Lord, and they are more desirable than gold, David says, even much fine gold. And then he says, in regards to these precepts and commandments and judgments, that moreover by them your servant is warned. David prays, also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. God will protect us. When we are praying that, we can believe that God will protect us, that he will not abandon us to temptation. But he does call on us to do our part, to be students of the word of God and to come to him and pray for his protection. So five requests here in the Lord's Prayer. Do you need something to pray for? (laughs) I've had people tell me before, I don't know what to pray. What can I pray for? Is there nothing on your prayer list? Well, pray for God's program, praying your kingdom come. Pray for God's providence by saying your will be done. Pray for God's provision by coming to the Lord and requesting him to give us our daily bread. Pray for God's pardon by coming to the Lord and asking for forgiveness, for cleansing, forgive us of our debts, and pray for God's protection as we ask him to not lead us into temptation. Father, we thank you for this time, this great privilege we have of studying the Lord's Prayer. Lord, this is a a model prayer for us to study and to apply to our lives, to our prayer lives. Lord, you want to hear from us. You command us to come to you. And you give us access to the very throne room of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to pray in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sharing the victory on WAJR, Campus Director Kirby Myers with us. Uh, final minute. Great message, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. We, we appreciate you coming in. And uh, again, we encourage you to go to the website, wvufca.org, and uh, there's uh, fundraising opportunities there. And, um, and that's that's a big thing, raising the funds, keeping the operation going. It is. We want to be here a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so check out the website, WVU fca.org and for this sunday morning that's sharing the victory 104.5 fm 1440 am wajr